Today we are talking about this guy. What is up everybody? Welcome back to the show. I have a few things that I want to share with you today. These were sent to me by my friends over at B&H Photo. This is the Fujifilm X-Pro2 with the 23mm f2 lens and then they also sent me the 16mm f1.4 lens and oh my god. The couple days that I've had to shoot with these, I've just been blown away. These are so amazing. And if you watch the show, you know I'm a little newer to the Fuji game. And I've been really impressed so far. And I guess it was a couple weeks ago, B&H sent me the X-T2 to check out. And I did a video on that. And one of the things that just impresses me more than anything, well, there's a lot that impresses me about these, but the image quality is amazing. But also the thought that goes into the design and the functionality and how easy these are to use. Yes, they do have a very retro feel to them, but everything makes sense if it fits the style of photography that you like to shoot. And if you're a Fuji owner, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But after I checked out the X-T2, and I'm going to do a big review on that, I thought it would be only fair to also check out the X-Pro2. And this is a very different kind of camera. They, it's also got kind of a retro design, a little bit different layout with the way the dials are set. And we're gonna dig down and check it out. But first, I wanna give a quick shout out to our sponsor today, who are the awesome folks over at squarespace.com. You need a website. You need a place to put your work so people People can see it. You need a place that looks professional and has its own domain name, but you don't want to deal with coding. You don't want to deal with server maintenance. Well, Squarespace have you covered. Squarespace is an all-in-one solution for hosting beautiful websites, portfolios, galleries, even an online store. What you need to do is head over to squarespace.com, do the free trial, and if you decide that Squarespace is right for you, I can save you an additional 10% off your order at checkout if you use offer code AOP. That offer code is AOP. And once again, I want to give a special shout out to the folks at squarespace.com for once again sponsoring another episode of The Art of Photography. Fujifilm are doing some really impressive things in terms of their approach to camera design and essentially they're taking the possibilities that we have with mirrorless technology and then putting it into a package that people are somewhat already familiar with. So for instance with the X-T2 it really mimics what you would find on an old film SLR. Of course there's no film, you're using an electronic viewfinder, there's no mirror, but it's more of an approach to using dials and knobs and buttons to get at what you need to do rather than dealing with menus and I think they did that really nicely on the X-T2. Now the X-Pro2 has a different approach in that they've taken mirrorless technology and applied it to what is possible with a rangefinder. And this is where this camera gets extremely unique and really interesting. And I want to talk a little bit about that. But I also want to talk about the dial layout here because it is a little bit different than what you see on the X-T2. Now, like the X-T2, gone is P mode, shutter priority, aperture priority, manual, all that stuff. Everything is sort of manual, but you'll notice that all of your exposure function dials, for instance, the aperture collar, has this little A on it. And so when you set those to A, you're gonna be in automatic. So when they're all three set to A, you're essentially in what used to be P mode on a traditional DSLR. Does that make sense? And when you take that out, then you have taken over manual control of that particular exposure function. And then when you take all three out, you're in full manual mode. So it's really intuitive and very easy to use and it makes you wonder why we have priority modes anyway when something like this is possible but you have aperture control on the ring of the lens and then on the top of the camera you kind of have two dials in one and this dial is showing you the shutter speed but in the little window there you're seeing there's several modes of, of automatic that you can do with ISO, but you can also lift up this outer ring and turn that to display the ISO settings that you might want to use. And so that's essentially how the camera works. In addition to that, you have an exposure compensation dial, and that's pretty much it. And 
I love this layout because it's so simple. It's so easy to use. If you do want to dig in and get really specific with autofocus points and stuff like that, there's a little joystick controller that you can use with your thumb that this is similar to what you find on the X-T2 as well. And everything is intuitive and it's so easy to use. And if you're a Fuji owner, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, I do want to talk about the rangefinder for a second because that's where this gets particularly interesting. Now, if you're not familiar with a rangefinder camera, I want to take a second and explain what a rangefinder is. So this here is an older camera, but this is a rangefinder style camera. This is a Fujika GW690, and this is a medium format camera, but it used a rangefinder for its focus system. Now, a rangefinder design came about pretty early on in photography because photographers needed a way when they were focusing. This was before we had technology using a mirror to be able to view through the lens. We needed technology that would allow us to focus on something and know what that distance was. And so that's why rangefinders came popular on cameras. And essentially what you have here, and you can see it on the top here, you have your main viewfinder, and that's basically an optical viewfinder. So you're not looking through the lens, you are just looking through that viewfinder. And then there's a second viewport right here that's a lot smaller, and it's right over the the lens and when you actually look through the viewfinder and I'll zoom in so we can we can see what this looks like basically what you're seeing is an optical illusion of sorts of two images being displayed on top of one another so if I cover up the main viewfinder lens you're going to see a small portion of the image in the middle of the the picture here and that's essentially what you're getting through this secondary viewport um, here right over the lens and so when I uncover this you're going to see and I hope the video can pick this up two images in the center there that lay on top of one another. Now to get into focus, what happens is essentially there is a mirror in here that is throwing that image over on top of the other one but the mirror is going to move, it's coupled to the focus ring. So when I start to focus this, essentially what you're going to do is get these two images to sync up on top of one another. And you can think of that little uh, center piece of light in there that you're using to sync this as kind of your focus point, I guess, if you will. It's a bit of a focus zone. So you would put whatever you want to be in focus on that, focus up, and then recompose the shot. And that's essentially how rangefinders worked. And these became very popular really in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, particularly with photojournalists. People like Eugene Smith, Henri Cartier-Bresson, they all used rangefinders and preferred those. There were a number of reasons why. They were quick and easy to use and they weren't as noisy as SLR cameras. They didn't have the mirror slapping up and down. And so if you needed to be discreet and you were doing photojournalism or even street photography and you wanted to just kind of fade out and not be heard, this was an excellent choice to go through. Uh, the other thing too, because there's no mirror and there's no shutter curtain, is a lot of these cameras, this one for instance, you can kind of see it on here if I get the light right, it has a leaf shutter on there, so it does not work like a shutter curtain. And it allows you to do faster flash sync, there's a lot of benefits to that. Now there are several downsides to rangefinders as well. First of all is parallax. The viewfinder is not in the same plane of view as the lens here. So this doesn't matter so much when you're shooting at a distance, but when you're doing stuff up, in fact, close up, in fact, this camera, uh, it doesn't have a very close, it's a one meter is, is as close as you can get to anything. So it's it, it doesn't focus in very close. But if you were to get closer than one meter, you're going to have what you call parallax issues where you're composing something, but that's not what the lens is seeing. And so it's not gonna line up. And this is interesting because when you apply mirrorless technology to to something like this, everything changes. 
So the X-Pro2 essentially has three different modes that you can run this viewfinder in. And this is where it gets really interesting. The first one is just as an optical viewfinder. So you're just looking through the viewfinder. But what's interesting is they're able to project information that is helpful for you as a photographer in composing your picture. So for instance, when you half press the shutter release and the autofocus kicks in, it's going to give you the little green squares showing you what's in focus. It's going to give you all of your settings information as to what you've uh, set the camera at. And this is where it really gets interesting. Now, if you don't like that and it's a little too old school for you, you can flip this over by using this little dial on the front that actually it's kind of funny because on the old film SLRs they had these but they usually operated the self timer. But anyway, when you click this over to over to my right or your left, you're going to flip this over into just basically an electronic viewfinder. So this would be what you see on the X-T2. This is an EVF. It has completely replaced the optical viewfinder and you see all the information on there and it acts sort of like an SLR because you're viewing what's happening through the lens. Although there's no mirror, it's done electronically. And then the third mode is really interesting too. And if you go back to the optical viewfinder and you switch the focus over to manual. So I'm gonna switch my focus over to manual. Now, when I switch that dial, the left or your right, what it's going to do is it's going to go into this manual focus viewfinder mode and much like the old school viewfinder where you had that superimposed image, it's going to give you that superimposed image and you'll see that on the lower right hand side of the screen. And so this ends up being a very high tech version of a viewfinder. The other thing that's very cool is because of the parallax issues, you're also going to see framing lines. And this is important if you change your lens out, if you use a different focal length, the framing is going to change because the viewfinder is just kind of giving you everything. It's not showing you where you're cropping. And so these lines will appear over and they also move when you turn the dial to manually focus to readjust for that parallax uh, correction that needs to be done. And I think this is really interesting. Now, this is a slow way of shooting and it may be not to your liking. There are other problems that you have too. For instance, I have noticed that support on the 16 millimeter lens is not as nice as it is on the 23. For instance, I don't get the frame lines. Um, you do have a way of parallax correction because that center thing will change and shows you. But the other problem with that is that lens is also huge, so it starts blocking your view in the viewfinder. So this style of shooting may not be for everybody, but it certainly was for a number of photographers for a number of years, and people who are really into rangefinders really love that setup. This was used on all the Leica cameras. Canon and Nikon early on made rangefinders, uh, you know, all the photojournalists like I mentioned, and so it's really interesting to be able to do that, and mentally it's just a different approach. And so this is something that my first impressions are, I'm really impressed with the technology on this followed by, I don't know if this is actually quick enough to use or practical enough to use. So that's one of the things I'll be looking for over the next month. But anyway, that is basically more or less what you're looking at with the X-Pro2. And I think it's really unique, really interesting. And I wanna prepare a full review on both this and the X-T2. And so if there's any questions that you guys have or anything that you want me to experiment with or cover in here, please leave them in the comments. But I would love to know what you think. Um, there are a lot of Fuji owners who are just rabid about these cameras and I can see why. They really are amazing. Uh, everything's easy to use. The image quality is incredible. Uh, the whole thing you can do with the, the picture profiles that mimic film emulsions is amazing. And I want to dig into all those things over the next month. So that's all I got for today. If you guys enjoyed this video, please remember to like it, share it, subscribe to The Art of Photography for more videos. And until the next one, I will see you guys then. Later.